So it turns out that the path to being more loving is through a loving process itself. I have some suggestions for you. Hopefully my highs and my lows can flatten your learning curve. I'm Danielle Laporte, and this is With Love, Danielle. Hello, my loves. Today we are going to talk about resilience. I think resilience is the tool that everybody needs to have in their kit to navigate through all the upheaval and just not just getting through it, because I'm going to talk about going beyond getting through it, but resilience to evolve, to expand, to rise above, to be the antidote, to have everything exceed the wishes, demands, and goals of our small self and move into that space where we're really visioning our lives for ourselves and for each other from our higher self. So let's talk about what resilience is not. And by the way, in my book, How to Be Loving, we go through seven virtues. So the book is like a sandwich, and the 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 tofu in the middle, I don't know why I said tofu, because I don't even like tofu. I don't understand tofu, but uh, meat isn't, the tomato, the avocado, that's what it is. Okay, so the avocado in How to Be Loving, with some vegan mayo and mustard, is these seven virtues. So we look at the definitions, the characteristics, the expressions of divine love, compassion, forgiving, wisdom, resilience, and radiance. And of course, you can get How to Be Loving Now pre-order from wherever you love to buy books, or you can go to daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving. And there's all sorts of beautiful bonuses. There's a whole class that I'm going to be doing called Open Your Heart, Uncondition Your Mind. And also part of the pre-order gifty palooza is I will be dropping into your inbox, if you so choose, every Sunday for a year with an audiogram. Just about, you know, two minutes of extra love and maybe inspiration and backing that up with a card from my How to Be Loving deck. Because yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is also a deck and a journal. Let's talk about resilience. I will lean on some Confucius here. You know, whenever I talk about Confucius, I remember this joke that my dad told me about Confucius. And, and the joke was my dad did not even know who Confucius was. And uh, he said, Confucius say, duck who fly upside down, quack up. If ever there was a dad joke, right? <laughs> okay, what Confucius really said is that the green reed which bends in the wind is stronger than the mighty oak which breaks in the storm. And how do we bend? How do we flex? Through love. Not from being more opinionated or more right or toughening up. Resilience actually has nothing to do with soldiering on or growing a thicker skin. It has everything to do with adaptability. So we're not sucking it up. We're not getting more leathery or tough to be successful. Resilience only happens when we move into our hearts, when we become aware that our heart is always open. So I think one of the most effective metaphors here is to think of a tripod. When the tripod is wide open, it's stronger. You can't push it over. You can't tip it over. When it's closed, 
over it goes. So openness has us be more immovable in the best kind of way, more grounded. And that is what the heart-mind is like. The more open-hearted we are, the stronger we become. Pliable, buoyant, open. That's all the opposite of brittle, of striving, of proving, of contracting, of gritting our teeth, you know? Softer. I want to read you a direct story. I don't often read directly from things, but let's do some story time, okay? How to be loving. Chapter 25, Brazilians. I traveled to the interior of British Columbia to meet with a medicine man. A really cherished friend of mine told me that he could help shift some energy for me. There was a lot of conflict in my life at that time, and I really wanted some support. I wanted some warrior training. And the source of that strength, the source of that warriorship quality, was about to come as a big surprise to me. So he begins the healing ceremony with me. He has an eagle feather in one hand. He's got a rattlesnake rattle in another hand. And I breathe very deeply. And I remember feeling anticipation and a little bit of fear around the edges at the time. And I remember holding my breath in a way. I felt a bit constricted because I was afraid of what was going to slip out of me in this ceremony if I really let out my questions, my suffering, and the fear around the edges, you know? I'd been in a defensive posture. By defensive, I mean very, very guarded for many months after a particular relationship in my life had fallen apart. And that really became the season a season upon a few seasons, actually, of some relationships crumbling. And so I wasn't trusting my own perspective very much. At the same time, you know, I was becoming more creative in the world, more visible, and I was simultaneously getting really guarded about people I thought who were trying to extract something from me you know, uh, energy or connections or just too much of me. And that was all part of my own doing, but that was what I was in at the time. So I'm in the medicine ceremony and I exhale, can feel myself beginning to soften. And with that inner softening came some soft tears. And I felt so rooted into the earth. It was as if my very feet were made of soil felt so connected. I felt like I could actually feel the grass growing. What was really happening was I was expanding. We go further into the ritual. Sage smoke is rising in the space. And I could feel the heaviness of that year of my life beginning to lift. And I was becoming very aware that the healer was pulling out whatever in me had calcified from all that contracting and that guardedness, become like hardened pebbles within me. Without going into too many more details, I know it's juicy, but 
suffice to say, it was very moving. There were a lot of tears for me. There were some things that the eye wouldn't believe. It was profoundly safe and deeply beautiful. And when the ceremony was complete, he called again. We both called to the four directions. We both speak our thanks to spirit. And then we both held our places in silence for a long time. My heart felt vast. It felt very sky-like. You'll hear me talk a lot in How to Be Loving about the sky as the most relatable metaphor for the true reality of our heart. We are that vast. So the healer puts his hands on my shoulders. <laughs> he was so sweet. Uh, just these deep, canyon-deep black eyes. And he crouches down to my eye level, and he says to me, the way forward is always to bend. The way forward is always to bend. We bend so that we never break. And I just nodded. I knew it was truth with a capital T. And I also got the feeling that this was a new assignment for me. And I was simultaneously in awe, you know, looking up to him. And at the same time, with like all of my own wisdom, I very seriously echoed back to him. We bend so we never break. And then we high-fived. <laughs> and then we smiled the biggest, juiciest, cheesiest smiles. And just to balance out all that sublime sacredness, we went back into the house that we were staying at, and we drank Coke. I never drank Coke, but it's what the family offered to me, so I took it. So we had Coke with apple pie. And we watched America's Funniest Home Videos. I never watch America's Funniest Home Videos, but that's what the family wanted to do. And that was also very, very healing. And what I was beginning to see was that resilience was a dance and not a stance. It had movement. It wasn't fixed. And... I realized that I had to actively change my mind about some things. I had to let go of what I thought the best outcome was. I had to fairly significantly loosen my grip on my desires. It didn't mean that I necessarily had to have a dream funeral for everything that was on my wish list. I just had to ease up. Now, keeping in mind that at that time in my life, significantly influential relationships in my life were falling apart. Things were painful, contentious. I was seeing things I hadn't seen before. I was moving through this big process of disillusionment of other people, of dreams I had long held, of how esoterica worked of who I was, where I was powerful, where I was weak, and in what felt like kind of a war zone, I'm having this revelation that I actually have to get softer instead of more brittle, that 
in that challenge, I needed to move into radical flexibility. So instead of armoring up, I had to create a more supple response. I had to have a more awake response to everything that was testing me. So counterintuitive. So not what we are trained to do by society and social structures. So in the opposite direction of where the ego wants to go, which is be more right, make them more wrong, ante up, armor up, you know? It was getting real clear that I needed to soften up. I needed to bend so that I not only didn't break, but I didn't go fucking crazy. None of us are meant to be a fortress. It's why we're all here together at the same time. We're created for connection. The longing to belong is divine. Now, sometimes that longing to belong can get acted out from the small self, and we do crazy things to get on the inside of the so-called in-crowd. But there's a diamond underneath that. There is a, oh, I could call it a heavenly impulse to connect as deeply as possible. I think to merge ultimately with everything and everyone. We are created for the purposes of connection, connection to the sweet grass, to the sage smoke, connection to each other, to the source of all things. Made for it, we're made for love. So then, one could posit, as I am, that resilience is actually a virtue. Resilience is your capacity to live from the heart. How loving can you be? That's resilience. Let me bring in Adyashanti, as I often do in my life now, who teaches. The conditioned reflex is whenever you encounter difficulty, whether it's inside of you or whether it's in life, is that you leave the heart. At those moments, the thing you need most is to live from the heart. Resiliency is adaptable. Resiliency is inclusive. Resilience considers everyone's benefit. Resilience changes her mind. He lets go of over-controlling. They pivot. That's resilience. So when you're living and leading from your heart, from love, you will very naturally, you won't even have to think about it, you'll give space for everything to just come up as is to arise from within your consciousness, from within the boardroom, online. You're just, hey, what's happening here? What's really happening? I've got space to let it show itself. And then you meet it. You adapt in the healthiest way. You, you dance with what's emerging. You don't force You don't repress. You don't push back right away. You don't react. You respond. That's the essence of a reflective life, right? A heart-centered life is about living more reflectively so that we can be more responsive instead of more reactive. So our actions aren't unconscious, meaning they're not chosen. We choose how we respond to everything. 
There's no enduring, just adapting with love. Endurance versus resilience is, it's like the difference between struggling to carry this heavy boulder over the field, you're lifting it up and you're lugging, versus, you know, there's still a boulder, there's still a challenge. You just decide to roll the boulder across the field. It's like, this is happening. Here's the rock. I'm going to work with it instead of against it. I'm going to find the easy, loving, thoughtful, conscious, compassionate, maybe even forgiving way to be with the big shit pickle on my plate. (laughs) So how do you actually be resilient? You stop wishing for things to be different than they are. You see how different that is from all of our conditioning and social programming that's telling us to suck it up and duke it out? You want to be fuller. You want to be stronger. You want to be more impeccable. You want to be able to roll with it. Then just stop wishing for things to be different than they are right now in this moment. Because from that moment will come the clarity about what better actually is. So you would think that we would be jumping to the clarity about how to make things better. Nah, uh It's the heart that gives us the proper definition of what improvement would actually be. It's often not what the ego wants it to be. Improvement might actually be stillness. Improvement might be an apology. Improvement might be simplifying our lives. Improvement might be giving it all you got. But what the ego mind, the unhealed self is going to say nine times out of ten is that improvement is about more. It's about more productive, more stuff, more opinions, more rightness. We stop wishing for things to be different than they are. The heart will give us a clear vision of what more should be, more loving, more better. And then from there, we know what the next best right step is to take. So, of course, we should have visions in our hearts about everything improving. You know, we are, we're perfect now with room for improvement. We should hold inspired visions in our hearts. We should match those visions with a lot of faith and substantial action. But there's a kind of wishing that comes from the unhealed place that wants to just recreate the past. Somehow we're going back to some glory day when we really crushed it or we really got the approval that we were craving for. Another kind of wishing from that same place is based on envying other people's uh, seemingly better fortune than we have. And that kind of craving actually weakens our connection to our higher will. We hear with less and less clarity what is really best for us and everybody else involved. So it's only with the objectivity of the heart that we can see clearly about what needs to be done and to actually move things actually forward. Whether we need to go into triage mode or take a rest break or build some long-term plans. All of those things that we associate with 
resilience, emergency, resting, long-term planning. I'd love to just pause here for a minute and talk about some really practical tools for resilience. Our heart-centered leadership program is exactly that. 34 exercises ranging from how to help people reframe their relationship with both their negative and positive emotions to helping people dissolve polarization on teams and families and in communities. I'm so proud of this really conscious community of facilitators, coaches, team builders, idealists of all kinds who have come together to give the world in 30 plus countries tools, practices, exercises for resilience. Head to daniellelaporte.com slash leadership and you can see how we can support you in your current and maybe future unfolding work in the world. Okay, so adaptability a virtue of the heart, which is really the embodiment of resilience, leads to inclusiveness, right? So the heart will always include what's best for everybody involved. So then that would mean that one of the opposite expressions of resilience is exclusivity, opposite of inclusivity. So the ego personality (laughs) is always going to make the move toward exclusiveness. It's about who has access and who can come in and who's entitled and who deserves what and how much of that do they get. And this is painful and problematic because the demise that exclusivity brings is that it blocks the flow of life force. It's the opposite of love. And when love isn't circulating, energy blockages form, and they can possibly form in your body. When love is withheld, we get backed up and crunchy in all kinds of physical and mental ways. And we have to keep in mind that energy attracts its reflection, right? Energy follows thought. It's a universal law in the simplest terms. Like attracts like. So if we're always operating from that place of exclusiveness, you know, if we're like conducting that energy of restriction through our systems, then what we're going to get is more closedness from the outside world. More doors are going to slam. We're actually going to feel more on the outside because we have not been operating from that consciousness of everything is welcomed, everything belongs, as is, by the way. And when we feel on the outside, we're closed, we're seeing more messages and behavior of closedness around us as a result, then we move into stagnancy. We feel more bound up, more tight within our own selves. And that only leads to one thing. We become more tightening, more divisive with the world outside of us. You can see it's this, it's this vicious cycle of not loving. Choosing again and again to not love, to not love, to close down. 
And that restriction just comes in upon ourselves. So, you know, too much ego and not enough higher love. And we will ourselves start to feel very, very stuck. Want to get unstuck? Love more. Love what's really going on. Love all those parts of yourself. Love them. Because too much time spent in that closed space, that that fenced-off space, it leads to what's called paralyzed will. We start to get very confused about how we're actually going to get unstuck. You just do not know how to break free. You want to break free but you really move into lostness because how to touch with love, right? So it doesn't matter if someone is majoring in philosophy. It doesn't matter if someone's living on a commune. It doesn't matter if they're CEO of whatever corporation. If that person, through their cultural lens, their so-called spiritual identity, if they are walking through the world putting people into categories of worthy or unworthy, they are going to start to feel that sorting and ranking energy coming back on them. It's an uptightness that is really unbearable to the spirit. A lot of opinions start to take roost, you know? And then there's so much energy that we have to burn to keep those opinions alive and apparently bright and right. And then we become more brittle and we become depleted and we can't bend. It's the opposite of flexibility. We become very not (laughs) resilient. All that self-control and that restraint that's required to stay exclusive to stay right, to stay closed, to stay in control. It's exhausting. You know what's better? (laughs) Not my job to tell you what's better, but you might want to consider. It's just so much better to just open up your heart (laughs) and just let other people in. To entertain a lot, not just some other perspectives, Not even a lot of other perspectives, but to entertain all perspectives. Doesn't mean you have to agree with any of them. Although you're probably going to see the merit in way more paradigms than you ever thought was possible. But what happens in that opening? That entertaining, oh, I'll consider that and I'll consider that and I'll consider him and her and maybe that notion and that possibility. Love is flowing. Consciousness is rising, vibration getting higher. You are opening. You are expanding. The little tripod of your mind is now open wide. It is stabilized, and you can take whatever is going on. You can meet the occasion that is rising. You just got resilient through love. Open minded, open hearted, down for life. So you keep softening to get stronger. You keep adjusting to make your way to higher ground. You change the plan. You change the plan daily if you need to. That is how resilient and wise and loving you are. You walk through life saying, what's next? And is everybody okay? And you know that you can love and understand your way through anything.
So the challenge that confronts you, what you perceive as attack, the loss of a dream, of love, of something that you cherished, the shock of division, polarization, feeling on the outside, the sadness of being cast out. How do you get through it all? You turn to the intelligence of your heart and you say, I can love my way through this. We will love our way through this. We will adapt according to the intelligence of our higher selves. That's how we use the fire of the challenges to turn the pain into power. You know, I used to sort of recoil a bit whenever I heard the term resilient. I never applied it to myself because I thought that it was hearkening to the tough circumstances. I didn't want to say that, oh, I'm resilient. I'll get through it. I just want to say like, hey, this is life and I'm going to shine. I just, I never use the word resilient. And now, uh, as I've come to learn that it's a virtue, that it's about adaptability and softening, what I hear when I say, speak, read the word resilient is how to be loving. And it doesn't sound very badass, but it's what's real. And you know, I will take the power of the heart any day over powering through or trying to power over because it's only love that gets us from the unreal to the real, from the shadow to the light. And that capacity to bridge that, to adapt on the path is resilience. And your capacity is unlimited. We so got this. If you want to get some more, head to daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving. Stick around for my next episode coming next week. I'm going to be talking about virtues, not like heavy duty, gross, make you guilty kind of Catholic virtuousness, but like the light of your soul goodness. And one more thing, if any of my podcasts ever throughout the history of our relationship together have inspired you, expanded you, softened you, made you laugh, even if it's at me in any way. Positive reviews, you click in those stars wherever you're listening to this podcast, really helps us get the love out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Did you know that you can ask me pretty much anything and I will probably highly likely tell you? I'm going to be doing a special Q&A only, Q&A DL Palooza episode uh, in the upcoming weeks. I would love to hear your questions on anything from consciousness, meditation, breakups, business, entrepreneurship, world upheaval, anxiety, how to be more loving in any kind of way. You go to daniellelaporte.com slash with love and you submit your question. You can give me one word. I can just riff. You can give me deep paragraphs that I may not read, but I will press my hand against the screen and glean what you need to know. DanielleLaporte.com slash with love. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, 
for spreading the word with love.